Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Last week, we started talking about, about how we can live a life that where, where Christ Jesus told us, he said that to come to him and to take on his burden, to take on his yoke, and that the yoke was easy and the burden was light. And we started talking about how we can do that. The, one of the scriptures we talked about um, last week is in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to some scriptures, are we all, are we all good to go? Okay, here we go with the, uh, what to do with the know-it-all. I have a pretty good life, but there's this nagging problem that I don't really <laughs> like to talk about. I had that exact same problem, but mine was way worse. Here's what you need to do. Make sure that when you're in a place- you That nagging like problem? Hey, this is it. What do we say about the drinks? Round them up. If you suffer from know-it-all friends, bossy family members, or coworkers with loud opinions, you might be experiencing a condition called correctile dysfunction. Here, here watch. Hey, honey, you want a drink? Please tell me more. Introducing Know-It-All, an easy-to-use mist that cures correctile dysfunction. You, I don't understand why you don't listen to what I'm saying. I've tried to tell you like- Liberally spray Know-It-All in the direction of your symptoms and watch them dissipate. What I meant to say was that sounds really hard. <laughs> Know-It-All cures a variety of symptoms like irritation at work. Hi. So, I know you didn't ask, but I went ahead and made a couple notes on your presentation. I started at the beginning and then it just kind of flowed from there. I mean, the whole thing. Know it all instantly relieves that pesky contrarian pain. Boy, what are you doing taking the interstate? Everybody knows the back roads are faster. <laughs> know it all works quickly on all sorts of nagging symptoms. You know, you're the only ones that haven't given me any grandbabies yet. Side effects may include coughing, empathy, diarrhea, listening skills, eventual death, kidney vomiting, 24-hour scurvy, night blindness, day blindness, and scabs. But who cares? It won't be your problem. You know what? You don't need my help. I think I'll just quietly enjoy the ride. I can be a real windbag sometimes. Correctile dysfunction is curable. Talk to your doctor today about Know-It-All. Tastes like schnapps. <laughs> All right, there you go. There you go. We can get rid of some know-it-alls around. So I know that lady with the presentation life. at work. Some of but you can relate to that, right? Anyway, so let's hop into... Oh, man, we get to see this. We are. It's space bar. Space bar. Well, there we go. Spicy Sunday. If you wouldn't mind, go to the next slide for me. I do appreciate you guys. Every, how many of you guys know? Yeah, give them a hand. It does. When the AV stuff works, no one knows you're there, but when it breaks down, I know, the pressure is on. So we talked about this last week in, the, in the Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which is prepared, which prepared, which God prepared before that we should walk in them. We talked about that word workmanship in the Greek that it means it's the same as creating a piece of art. It's the same as creating a, a poem or something that's a sculpture that's always being worked on, that we are his workmanship and he's always working on us. We talked about this. Let's look at the next scriptures. We talked about where Jesus is talking about how we walk things out with him. 
and from Matthew chapter 11. And this is from uh, the message or from the Amplified Bible. I love what it says here. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Next, please. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that phrase there. Um, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You think about what these guys are getting ready to do, going out of the country and where they're going, but they've taken on the yoke of the Lord. We talked about this last week back in the day, and I think they still do this here and in other countries. But when they make a yoke to go on an animal's neck, it's not like they just grab one at Walmart and throw it on. They, they, they make a yoke specifically for the specific animal that fits them, that feels like it's light and it's not a big heavy thing for them. And so that's the way that God wants us to walk this out. Listen, we talked about in John chapter 10, um, to know your enemy. And I mentioned this last week, and I, I'm going to kind of talk about this a little bit more because some people asked me some questions about it last week. But we talked about where, see, in John chapter 10, when you read all of this, the chapter together, Jesus is talking about, I am the gatekeeper and the sheep come through me. And this is how the sheep get fed. But then when you get down to John chapter 10, verse 10, and it talks about the enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy, so many times in the church, I mean, I've heard it my whole life. Matter of fact, I said this last week, the first time somebody told me this, it was actually my, my, um, my son and, or my, my daughter and my soon-to-be son-in-law at the time came and shared this with me about they were learning in Bible school and they were studying Greek. And they said this to me and I was like, there's no way that you're telling me the truth. Somebody has told you wrong. But let's look at what these what this means. Because we always hear that the thief, that's the devil, that he's coming after me, that he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said it himself. No, Jesus is talking about the thief is an embezzler, one who pilfers, the, who gives words of destruction. It's a false teacher, folks. The thief are people that are telling us something that is not true. We talked about this and we looked at this in the book of Acts last week in chapter 19, where the believers were there and they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. They were taking their owned beliefs of Christianity because we know that they had received Christ and they had received the baptism of John, but they hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit is what Paul said. And they laid hands on them. And after that encounter, they realized that this magic and all these other things that they were doing, they brought out their books and they burned them in the city because what they were doing is they had an, what happened is they had an encounter with God and they realized they were taking their form of Christianity and they were mixing it with some things that they had and the Holy Spirit showed him that this is wrong. But then in the rest of this verse, which is a lot of times is left out when people are talking about the thief, is they leave out the next part. Take a look at this. The word abundantly. This is in the Greek. These are the definitions of what it means to live. Jesus said that he comes to, that the false teachers will steal and rob and kill from you. But he said, but I've come that you would have life more abundantly. Look at just this here, that we live a life that's surpassing what is common in the world. Is the devil real? Yes, he is. Does Jesus talk about him? He for sure does. He says, we know that from scripture not to be, uh, to be alert and to know of his schemes. He's a God of this world. 
But we also know that Jesus Christ defeated him. Amen. Is he alive? Yes. He is he working? Yes. He is out to do what he can. But when the Bible talks about Satan and that and the definition is where it hits all of us is he is this. He's the accuser of the brethren. That's what, that's what he is in the scripture. It means that he's an accuser of the brethren. And the biggest spiritual battle, I don't know about you, but I have is right here. It's the old gray matter is what do I think about myself? What do I think about how God sees me? What do I think about how I see God? What is he going to do for me? But then when you combine that with the accuser of the brethren, boy, we can really get into, really get into some mess. But Jesus has come to give us life and more abundantly. Look at the next scripture on the screen. Ephesians chapter four, we talked about this and to put on the new self created to be like God and the, in the righteous, in the, in, in true righteousness and holiness. We talked about that righteousness means to be, uh, to have right standing with God and holiness is a fancy word that the church that's, that's true. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great word, but to really to a great way to see that is that we are called to be people that have right standing with God and we have a life that is uncommon. And we serve a God that is uncommon. Let's look at, um, let's get into the our, our message for today. Spicy believers, are you medium mild or are you scaring the hell's habaneros? <laughs> what does this mean? Pretty much not a whole lot, but I just had to put something spicy in here because it's spicy Sunday. <laughs> All right, let's look at Hebrews chapter chapter four. I'll put some scriptures on, up on the screen. Michael just got that. He was Michael woke up when Candy nudged him. He just read that. Hebrews chapter 4 it says this, verse 1. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to be we so we ought to tremble with fear so that of uh, that you might experience it and not fail. For this is good news that God has prepared this test has um, has been announced to us just as it was to them. This is talking about the children of Israel that when they had a plan, when God gave them a plan in Exodus to do certain things, that was their way of escaping. That was their way of getting into their new life and it being with ease. But we know that they disobeyed and it became really difficult for them and it took way longer than God planned. Look at just for time's sake, let's look at uh, verse six. In Hebrews chapter four. So God's rest is there for people to enter. Remember, we talked about this last week that his yoke is easy and the burden is light. Um, so God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So once again, it's talking about the, the children of Israel. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. What he's saying here is that when we hear God's voice, when we hear him, the Holy Spirit whisper something to our heart, if we walk in obedience, the more that we walk in obedience and the more that we cling to him and we follow him, the easier this gets. When God calls us, I think, once again, I think about this young couple. I tell you what, if I was their parents and that was my grandchild, they were rocking up here and they were going to Mongolia. I'm not sure I would feel too good about that, but knowing that the Lord is sending them is going to, I'm sure that's going to be tough, but 
they can still enter into his rest and they are still walking out a lifestyle that where the yoke is easy and the burden is light because it's what he's called them to do and they're walking in his obedience. Look at verse verse 12 in, in chapter uh, Hebrews chapter 4. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It opposes our innermost thought, exposes our inter, innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Verse 14 and 15. So then, we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us home, hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace. This is such a great verse. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Some verses says when you come to the throne of grace that you can come boldly and with confidence in your biggest time of need. Think about that. That our biggest time of need is when we're in trouble. And a lot of times when we're in trouble is that we've made our own trouble. Am I right? But when we've even made our own trouble, he still sees us as righteous. He still sees us as uncommon. He sees us as holy. He is holy. And we, and we are holy in his sight because of the blood of Christ. But it says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we are in the most need. You guys recently, and I shared this a little bit, you guys have kind of heard this over the last few months that are here all the time, but my dad just passed away, um, I guess it maybe was two months ago, yesterday, something like that, eight or nine weeks ago, and um, he had been sick for a while, and I had been gone out of town a lot, and um, uh, we, my, both of my parents, my mom died um, in, in April last year, or yeah, April of, of this year, or excuse me, of 18. And then my dad just died, um, in March. And, um, we're really blessed that both of my parents were mentally were just sharp as attack. I mean, we were watching football. We were watching the Super Bowl. My dad died March 9th. We were watching the Super Bowl and my dad could tell me what player on the Patriots team used to play for a certain college and you know, what they did when they broke records. My dad was so sharp. But when we had to sit down and talk with my dad about going into hospice because there was nothing medically they could do for him, it was really tough. And I remember my sisters and I, we talked to him and uh, one day, and I, it was on a Saturday afternoon and I went back the next Sunday morning to spend some time with him and he was sitting and he was either in the bed or he was in, the, in this recliner at the hospital. And I remember pulling it, just pulling up a chair and I sat right at his feet and I just told him, I said, dad, I want to make sure you understand that when you go to hospice, this is it. It's like you're riding the last wave out and you're going to die there. And it was, I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but it was such a tough conversation. But it was, it was tough, but it was amazing to me that I prayed about it. And when I sat down, I could have been bawling my head off. I could have been pleading, God, please don't make him go right now. But it was amazing to me that I experienced this, this powerful grace. 
Grace, we've talked about this before, that grace is this power that gives us the ability to do something we can't do naturally. And then when my dad went into hospital, it really kind of, to hospice, it really blew me away. My dad went into hospice and they had him on a lot of pain medications, but when he was awake, he was very alert. He knew what was going on. And then I was this first time ever experiencing um, hospice, uh, anybody in hospice in a hospice facility. So we're at this facility. It's really, really nice. And, um, and so we were, you know, somebody would, one of my family members would go get somebody lunch or breakfast or dinner or whatever. And we'd go in this room with these couches and there were some chairs in there and there'd be other family members in there either meeting with doctors or nurses. And it was really fascinating to me that people wanted to tell their story. I'm here with my daughter. She's had cancer for 12 years, a guy told me. And he said, you know, this is, they think she's got another week. And they would want to sit down and tell you about her. Daughter was a cheerleader and she loved playing volleyball. And then I met another gal who she was there with her 91 year old father. And she told me these stories about how her family had been so hard and she had five siblings, but she was the only one left because his money was being spent on hospice. So everybody else left because they ran it for money. I heard all these stories and it was amazing to me, Michael, when I was there because I was so involved with my dad, but being a follower of Christ, I, I actually was reminded of the scripture where Jesus finds out that John the Baptist had been beheaded. And Jesus says, look, guys, I got to go away for a while because I got to go process this. I got to go grieve. But when Jesus gets to the shore, what happens? It says that he was moved with compassion for the people. And I'm in no way saying that I'm in no way saying that I was like Jesus, but I was reminded of that verse. And as I sat there and I listened to these people tell their stories, I ended up spending like three days meeting people. And then I would go to the rooms and I just felt this thing where I just needed to go pray with them. And I would pray with people and I would talk to them. And you guys, this is something that the Lord did in me that I could not do on my own. But I was, and I'm, once again, I'm not trying to say it's being the, not being a know-it-all, so no one sprays me. I don't have it all together, but I'm telling you that when we are walking in the grace of the Lord, he gives us the power and the strength to do something that we never thought we, I'd never thought, I, I never thought I would focus on another family that had a loved one dying when my dad was dying, and I had just hours with him to spend. But it was amazing to me to experience God's grace in those kind of situations. And that's what he has for us. It didn't feel like a big burden. It didn't feel something that I had to do or the Lord was going to you know, strike me down or anything like that. I was just moved with compassion and I moved in the power of God's grace and it felt right and it was easy and it was good. Let's look at, um, for time's sake, I'm going to skip uh, reading... Um, uh, Ephesians, the next slide there. I'm going to skip Ephesians, reading Ephesians 2. But it talks about, uh, this. these verses talk about mercy and talk about receiving God's grace. And once again, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I love looking at the Greek and I love seeing what these words mean. So pull up the next slide for me. Here we go. The word mercy in these verses, in some of the verses we're talking about today, is, is this is the definition. It's kindness and goodwill toward towards the miserable and the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. So many times we, we get God's mercy and God's grace so intertwined. Well, if it wasn't for the grace of God, he would throw me into the deep fryer because that's what I deserve. No, that's God's mercy. 
When we just read the, the verse in Hebrews, that when we go to the throne of grace, we can come and we receive mercy. We receive the joined in with a desire to help you is what you get when you get God's mercy. Look at the definition, the next de definition of, uh, um, of grace. It's the word charis. Some of you guys may be familiar with some of these words. It's a spiritual condition given with unmerited favor of one governed by the power of divine grace. What does divine mean? It means directly from heaven to earth. Yes. That's right. Absolutely. God's God God sent us here what Jesus God sent Jesus here to pay the price for us that we could enter into all of this. Let's look at um, the next verse on the screen, 2 Peter chapter 3. But grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. How do you really discover this grace and this mercy? You do it through the knowledge of who he is. I always, when I've always talked to a lot of teenagers and they would talk about seeking God and really knowing God. And I would tell them this, when I read in, in, in the book of John where Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. How many of you guys are familiar with that? I used to read that and think, well, I love you, but I'm not always, I'm not always obeying. So I don't really understand this. But one of the things I believe that, that, that he's saying is that the more you spend time with me, the more you know me, the more you know me the more you fall in love with me. And the more you fall in love with me, the easier it is for you to know who I am and to walk with me and to love me. And the more that we know him and walk with him, it's so easy. The yoke isn't heavy and the burden is light because we've gained in our knowledge of who he is and we receive mercy when we need it and we get that powerful grace to walk in it when it's time for us to do something really incredible. Look at this quote from Max Licato. I love this quote. He says, grace is the voice that calls us to change and gives us the power to pull it off. Amen. And um, there was a guy who was in my youth group several years ago that's now in his young, in his, in his, uh, his, he's married, they have a young family, he's in his early 30s. Because as you can tell, I'm, you know, guy in my youth group is now in his 30s. Yes, I'm really old. And so, um, but anyway, uh, they live in South Carolina. He's in the Coast Guard. And um, a little over a year ago, he was out at sea. I'm going to tell you this story. It's pretty crazy and it's pretty disturbing, but I will tell you it has, a, has a, probably the best ending that could ever happen. He's out at sea. They have five kids. The mom takes the two oldest kids to school. She's a stay-at-home mom, and she has coming home with a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-month-old. And a guy who just got out of prison for less than a week followed her into her house, put a knife to her throat. She told the, the four-year-old, take the kids and hide, and he did horrible things to her. They found her, that was at like around 9 a.m. They found her around 5.30 p.m. because she didn't pick her kids up. Went to the house. The two-year-old two -year and the six-month-old six were still hiding. She was on the bed, unconscious, and the man that did horrible things to her kidnapped their four-year-old. So there's some stuff on Facebook. I happened to be with my two daughters. We were in youth group. They were in youth group with this guy, so we just started praying. The city of Charleston came out. The mayor, who was a believer, I don't know if he's still the mayor there, but this was, like I said, a year ago, came out. They had these huge prayer vigils that they would find this little girl Anyway, it was about three days later, or maybe two days later, that um, this man that took kidnapped this four-year-old girl, they found him in Alabama, and he was tired, so he parked out on a country road 
next to the train tracks. Just so happened to be two men that were believers that went to church together were fixing something on the railroad. And they saw this car sitting there and they saw this girl and this man there. And they called the police. A sheriff was about a mile away who was also a believer. The story of this is amazing. And so something told him when he got about half a mile away, parked the car and walked to this other car. And when he did, he knew why. He told the guy, he said, look, I don't know what's going on here with this little girl, but I'm going to have, you have a license? Do you have, no, he had no license. I'm going to have to arrest you, but we're going to have to, you're, I'm going to have to get her out of the car and carry her because my police car is parked up the road and you're just going to have to walk with us. He went around the car and he did that so he could get, he knew he had to get the little girl out of the car, main priority. He gets her out of the car. The guy takes off. They end up arresting him. Anyway, the little girl's totally unharmed. Almost just, it's miraculously, they showed her in the news that night, eating cookies and coloring like nothing ever happened. Anyway, uh, just about a month ago, they had this guy's trial in Charleston. And I watched it on television because the guy was in my youth group. He told me about it and I was able to watch the video. And his wife sat before this man. Now get this, she had been so much, so much trauma. Their hospital bills at the time about two months, three months ago, were $372,000. But she sat there in front of this man who did horrific things to her and kidnapped their child. And she said, I want you to know, you have not robbed me. You have not robbed my family. And my daughter never even thinks of the scary man anymore. And I serve a God who's alive, and I serve a Savior, Jesus Christ, and I hope that you can somehow meet him someday. You guys, that is a person who has received mercy, giving mercy. But that's also a person that has the knowledge of who God is and experienced that grace that she could speak that to him and not want to just go clobber him. Mercy and grace are different but they're both so powerful. Let's finish up with a couple of things here. So the great pattern for the spicy believer. Here we go. The, for the spicy believer. Number one is this. Allow God to define you. And here's what we do a lot of times, and I know I do this with myself. When What's defining me? My past, my current situation, and wondering about my future, combined with my doubts, and if I let in the accuser of the brethren, we're in trouble. How many of you guys can relate to that? We need to let God define us and who we are. Number two, gain the knowledge of his mercy. And like I said, this knowledge comes to us. This is when Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would grow in the knowledge of who Christ Jesus is. The more that we know him, the more that we spend, the more that we spend time with him, the more we know him, the more we know him, the more we love him, the more we love him, the more we obey him. And the more that we obey him, the burden is easy, is easy, and his, his yoke is easy, and the burden is light. Look at this next verse here. Second verse, excuse me, second uh, Peter verse one says this. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Isn't it grace that they can be multiplied to us? You don't just know it and get a little seed, but it gets multiplied to us. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Savior, 
uh, or, or Jesus Christ, our Lord, divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the full knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and his excellence. Number three, become sensitive to his voice. You become, once again, you become sensitive to his voice by spending time with him. Next. That's it. Number, uh, number four is recognize and be ready for him to move you through the power of his grace. He will move you through the power of grace. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting, when you hear different pastors speak and different people, you know, here in the church, Michael, me, other people, like I said, it's, um, I never want to come across like I've got it all together because I don't. I'm walking this thing out like you guys are. You take a person like the lady I was telling you about that was beat up and horrible things happened and their kids kidnapped. That's not God. That's not God doing that. And that's just, it's not even God allowing it. It's just we live in a sick, evil world, folks. We live in a world that is full of sin and death. And those things just happen. But God gives us the grace to walk it out. And he does it by us knowing him, spending time with him, and recognizing who he is. And you guys, he will walk you through what you need to walk through. He will give you the power to do things that you didn't know that you could do. I'm sure my friend's wife did never, never thought six months before she did it, she could speak to this guy that did these horrible things to their family, but she did. I never thought I would have to sit down with my dad and have this very caring but not super emotional conversation with my dad that, Dad, you're going to be gone in three or four days. But he takes us and he leads us and he gives us the words and he gives us the strength to walk it out. And when we do it, it's easy and it's light because he's equipped us and he's in it with us. Amen. Would you stand up for just a second? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word today. And we thank you for the opportunity to just come together as a church body. And as we've heard several times this morning, that we are a family together. And Lord, we thank you for your word that has the power to change our lives. We thank you that would like today that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword that it gets down inside of us and works out the things that need to be worked out so lord this morning i just want to come to you and you guys can join me in this god i want to come to you right now and just say i'm submitting more i'm coming to you and i'm submitting more And I'm asking you to take me places that I'd never know I would go. Help put me in front of people that I never thought I would be able to talk to. I want to, I want to do your will, God. And I'm submitting to it, and I want more of that. If you're here this morning and you're just really walking through something tough, and you just really need some prayer this morning, would you just raise your hand so we can pray for you? I'm not going to have you come to the front. I'm going to have some people come to you, and they can pray They can pray with you at your seat. But just lift your hand up. 
right back there. You can ask him if you would just share whatever you want, but tell him what you're asking God for, what's happening. Anybody else, just lift your hand up. You're going through something that you just need some prayer this morning. Maybe you need direction. Anybody else? Thank you. You guys can go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that your word tells us that your mercy is new every morning. Your mercy is new every morning. I feel like there's some people here this morning, you kind of feel like you've got some, you've had some stuff going on and you feel like you're kind of starting over. You're kind of at the, kind of running the race, but you've had, you're at the starting gate. You're at the starting line and you're just needing to start over. Man, rest in that. Confess, repent, talk, and receive his mercy and be ready to start over. He loves you and he's cheering you on as you start over. It doesn't matter what you've been through and what's caused you to have to restart. But, oh, he is so full of mercy. Run to the throne of grace with boldness and with confidence this morning. We thank you, Lord, for those fresh starts. We thank you, Lord, that we can just this morning, we can hit reset, reset. And that you forgive us and you walk us through us. And when we hit reset, you're right there with us. We thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.